0: For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop. 24-7, with super-fast shipping, MidwayUSA.com.
1: Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com.
0: Alright, here we are man, Justin Fabian, how you doing? Pretty good Aaron, how are you? I am doing good, I am sitting in my basement and looking at trail camera pictures of Jim Abbott, thinking about him, <laughs> and uh, got a drink in my hand here and getting ready to record the first installment of the coffee call and I'm pretty excited about it. What are you up to? Uh,
1: well I'm also in my basement. Uh, I just got done watching the uh, Diverge photo judging with all of the the photo greats. Seeing some pretty cool, oh, yeah. pretty cool content that was submitted on that this year, and I, don't know, I just enjoy seeing what everybody's doing. You know, it's see it all on Instagram, but to see everyone's yep. opinion is kind of what I like to listen to.
0: For sure, man, it's a pretty cool little contest that they do. So it it just kind of. It kind of keeps everybody that's out there, you know, and it's a good way. It's a good marketing thing, and it's a good way for them to, you know, well, it's a great marketing thing, actually, because yeah. they're all taking pictures of the Sika gear and everything, and, you know, so it's 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 a really, really cool idea that they did. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, just to explain real quick to everybody that didn't hear the podcast, last or earlier this week um we are doing a shorter version called the coffee call and the reason why we call it the coffee call is because for anybody out there doesn't really know what coffee call is uh you know it's different for some people but when i grew up you know a lot of the hunters like my dad and all of his friends and everything they would get together early in the morning before the hunt, and they'd go and get coffee and just talk about the game plan for the day, basically. And that's where all the stories were told and where everybody learned something. And, you know, so I thought it would be pretty fitting to call this the coffee call. Since we are taking listener-submitted questions, which we've got a ton of them to cycle through, and thank you to everybody for submitting questions, and we'll, we'll be consistent. Constantly doing it. So if anybody out there has a question, feel free to write on the fall podcast, you know, Instagram on a picture or something, or on the Facebook, or even reach out to Justin and I on our personal Facebooks. It's or Instagrams. It's fine. You know, anything. Uh, any questions you guys want to know? Reach out to us, and we really want to talk about. So the coffee call. That's kind of it in a nutshell. And today um, we're going to talk about late season tactics so we are in the late season right now and we had a couple people write in about wanting to know late season tactics so I figured well we kind of both figured let's do this because it's relevant so that sounds good to you let's let's get this thing kicked off
1: Yeah, let's do it I think it's a great first topic Um, you know there's so many people that can take away from this no matter what part of the year you end up calling late season like you know, Texas is just getting rolling right now with their rut. So, you know, and exponentially later, the further south you go. So, I mean, we're ready for muzzleloader season. We're looking at food sources already, but those guys further south are just getting into the, the prime time. But it all applies at some point, just a matter of where you live. And I think all the same basic principles will apply. So,
0: Right. So let's let's kick it off here. What do you got? What is your first late season tactic that is let's start off with your high priority list what is your
1: number one late season tactic right now um i I mean defaulting to my my tactics of hunting public ground um i think my priority is looking for looking for hunters right now trying to find who's actually still hunting you know knowing what's been hit already what kind of pressure the places have had that I'm looking at, I think is the first key. And then from there seeing what food is still available on those pieces of public ground. Um, yep. So a little bit, a little bit deeper dynamic for me, you know, it's, you know, generally you just say, where's the food, you know, standing corn, soybeans, um, turnips, radishes, all that classic late season stuff. I mean, they got it. They got to recoup the energy. They got to put weight back on, and um, I don't know. For me, like I know some of the spots I've been on this year that had uh, commercial egg fields in them, so um, I got to get out and look for for what food is left on these public places. Yep. You know that might not have gotten harvested. Right. And public land,
0: you might have to get a little creative because for sure some public land you can't you know, farmers can't farm that public land. So you might have to look, you know, look a little deeper and, and it might not be so much food, but it could be thermal cover, Yep. you know, get into the thickness. Like, you know, if you got some, uh, cedar thickets or even little swamp thickets that have cedars and, you know, uh, um, the thicker areas basically get into that thermal cover where it's really thick and the deer can bed down even pine trees those kind of thickets and everything so if you don't have food per se that like kind of sticks out to you look for that thermal cover and one of the biggest things for me is right now the deer are they're not been very far from their food they don't really want to go that far you yeah. know and um i mean they could literally i had an instance this weekend um, and we'll talk more about it on the main show, but I had a buck bedding right next to standing beans and it was 20 degrees out snow on the ground. And I mean, when I mean, right next to it, he had to get out of his bed, walk 10 yards to get to the beans, eat on beans, walk back to his bed and he had water right there too. So, you know, and that's another thing, uh, mornings, I mean, hunt them. Like hunting morning still is a good idea, but I'd, I think you're going to beat deer back to bedding. So if you have a good way to get around, you know, back and, and kind of get them in the transition area, because it's so cold. So I really don't think the deer want to be going back to bedding. So if that makes sense, they are eating all night. They could be, but to beat them back in the mornings, I think it's a little easier if you have a good entrance, because like I said, it's so cold and I think they're going to want to stay on their feet as long as they can. So, you might catch a traveling buck uh, in the daylight, you know, in the morning. And mornings, I know it's hard right now. You've been grinding all season, and oh, you yeah. just want to sleep in, and it's cold. <laughs> but yep. get out there. I mean, get out there. Mornings can be good right now. So, I guess that would be my, my two big ones right now. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, a front. So, right now, you know, it's really cold out, but I had – an instance a couple years ago, I was hunting in January in Missouri and it was really cold for like six days. When I mean really cold, I mean like 10 to 15 degrees, really cold. And on the seventh day, it moved up to 58 degrees and it was a huge change. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. Like snow was melting. You know, I wasn't bundled up anymore, but for some reason the deer, it was a, it was a front, Basically, but it was a kind of like a, I guess you'd call it reverse front in a way. You're looking for that cold going to, or the warm going to cold. This was cold going to warm. The deer got up and moved like crazy. And I killed a, a, a really good mature buck that night. Uh, I saw like 30 some deer and they were all moving to, moving to the food. They were, they were going to a green source. Cause I would say, you know, cold, go to grain, green or cold. When it's really cold, go to grain, like beans and corn. And when it's warmer, go to green. So find yourself a green field. I was on a, a winter wheat field and the green was popping and they were hitting it like crazy. So that change I thought would have the deer down. But I think it was almost like, you know, like us as humans, Yeah, relief. you know, <laughs> with the relief. It's like, it's been cold forever now. Yeah. Let's get the hell up and let, let's go move a little bit. I really think it was like that. And that's what got the deer moving. And it, and it was early too. So have you had any
1: instances like that? Um. Not so far this year, but uh, I mean, I can think of times in the past where, you know, you just get that that little break in the weather, like you said, maybe a five to even a 10 degree difference, you know, where the temperature actually is higher than it has been, um, you know, and not only just the daytime day temp temperatures, but, you know, watch the low temperatures too, like the overnights. Like if you're single digits, you know, and then by 9 a.m., if you've got that high pressure, you know, light variable wind speed. Um, you know, they're, they've been out all night. And then that, that morning rise in temperature is the, is the relief, you know, the same relief that a front would bring. So, um, it just, it makes sense.
0: Yep. And, and another thing too, is their patterns. So I love her hunting early and late season. And I think partially to the reason for that is because I'm filming a lot during the rut. Not that I don't like to hunt the rut, but they're kind of getting more on patterns. You can pattern them a little better. So you know that they're going back to food and uh that can make it a little easier. It can make it tough but it can make it a little easier. Personally I like a sunny day, cold sunny days. I don't like a lot of cloud cover. Um you know when you when you've got sunny you got sun popping through and it's cold that is a trigger that says get the heck out there you need to be in a stand or in a blind, yeah. and those deer are going to be
1: moving. You yeah. know, yeah, I had I had that same scenario here in Iowa Saturday afternoon. Uh, our second shotgun season just opened, and uh, I mean I don't know if you consider it late season, but I mean the weather was exactly that. You know, it was clear blue sky, very light wind, and I just went out for an afternoon hunt. Um, I was on standing beans, but. I went out at one thirty, and there was already seven deer in the field. I was able yep. to I was able to shoot one, clear the field, get to where I set up, and I actually shot three more. I shot four does Saturday <laughs> afternoon on one bean field.
0: Yeah, and, and that was
1: early, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I hunted it out to the to the last light, you know, to the end of legal. Um, but yeah, I got in there at one thirty, and there was already seven deer in the field. Yep. Um, yeah.
0: And that just goes to show you, I mean, it, it was sunny that day, but it was colder and they just love to move on that cloud cover. To me, it, it tends to have them hunker down a little bit and just, just wait a little longer. I don't, you know, just in my instances, sunny is good, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and to that point, um, just relating to, Some of the higher elevation hunting I had done in New York uh, up in the Adirondacks, you know, and I think this can be applied to, you know, hunters like in the UP of Michigan or, you know, even in places out west, um, considering the depth of the snow, you know, those southerly southerly aspects, your south-facing hillsides, they're going to get sun for more hours of the day and you're going to have shallower snow on the south side of the mountain. And, I mean, that's just one other tactic if it applies to you to try to utilize, you know, where those food sources aren't so prevalent. You don't have the luxury of looking for a green field or a grain field. You know, go to where the snow is not as deep, where the deer are going to be easier, you know, find it easier to move. Yep. And, I mean, that, that, same, sure. that same principle applies to, to shed hunting, you know. Yeah. Those deer are going to be in the sun. They're going to be on the warm side of the mountain and nine times out of 10, it's the south. And it's the same time of the year when they're dropping the antlers. So, I mean, that's a good yeah. place to start shed hunting too.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a great tactic as well. And also, you know, like I said earlier, it, we're getting later into the year where, you know, you might start getting a little laxadaisical. I do it. You know, we've been hunting, I've been hunting 60 plus days already this year, including, I mean, with filming and hunting myself and the scent control, make sure you're still on your t- on your scent control and, obviously, and also shooting your bow. You know, you're transitioning into a colder period now and you might have another layer or two on, start shooting your bow a little bit with gloves on if you haven't and even with the thicker jacket. And I just can't express enough just to stay on that scent control. I, I went hunting last weekend and um, I got a little thicker bib that I usually wear for uh, predator hunting, for coyote hunting and everything. Yep. And it was in my predator bin down in the basement. And I'm like, I should I should get that stuff out because I knew I was going to hunt all weekend and it was going to be 15 to 20 degrees because I knew that I usually go to those bibs when it's a little colder and um, went up there and, and uh, up to the washer and I wash them in scent-free soap and, and put them in the, in the bag and hit them with a little ozone and, um, just, just make sure you stay on that and don't get lackadaisical with your entry and exit also. I mean, it still all applies. It's just, it's really easy just to, to go away from all the stuff that you gear up all year for, you know, so don't get lackadaisical. That's a big one.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, if, if anything, it's more important now than ever because, the deer are so keyed up to every single thing, you know, that has yes. brought in danger for the last eight weeks from scent to sound and access down to, like, where you park. So, I mean, you know, going in on a yeah. morning hunt, you know, if it was single digits, you know, you're walking in on crunchy snow. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing how loud just a footstep can be when things are, oh, yeah. are that solid.
0: Yep. And then, you know, Saturday morning I went out saturday morning and i wanted to be sitting in the blind an hour before it even thought about getting daylight. and i tried to do that all the time and it was hard for me to get out of bed i'm not gonna lie it's like gosh i don't want to get out of bed but jim's out there i think i felt like and uh uh i knew i was getting close to bedding i was pushing it you know i was in a transition area but i I literally was getting 80 yards from where i figured these deer were bedded and uh, i took my time i got in there and didn't spook anything and had a good hunt um but that's just one of those things it's play the wind keep playing the wind even and i haven't had a gun so, and a lot of people say you know with a gun you, you can get away with a little more wind but man always play that wind you know especially with your entry and exit and yeah. and uh i'm just coming off so we just had our regular gun season now we're in a season. But. The deer have been shot at and have heard gunshots for the last two weeks here in Michigan, yeah. so they're like you said they're on edge. They're you know anything is gonna get them probably a little spooky and they're gonna hunker down maybe or you might just blow them out of the section. You don't want to do that, so right. just stay on top of your game for sure. Cause you like I said you you spend all year gearing up for the fall and you don't want to blow it you know with a with a lackadaisical you know. Yeah. Lapse in judgment, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, even, I don't know, cocking the hammer on your muzzleloader or taking the safety off, like any, any of those things that seem so insignificant. I mean, they hear that and I mean, you can just see them. They become alert instantly. For sure. Yeah. And
0: one of the big things I just did, um, last week was I transitioned my cameras. So, you know, I go, I put them on scrapes coming into the rut and, uh, now I'm transitioning in a lot to food. So I took all my cameras, put them on the bean fields, put them on cornfields and put them on green because I want to see what deer are going where. So like, you know, what, what deer are hitting the green, how many deer are hitting the green on what nights and temperature. And I kind of, I, I, I like to go back and say, okay, on the, let's say just for speaking on the 30th you know, a lot of the deer were hitting the green and not so many on the beans. Why was that? What was the temperature? What was the pressure? What was the cloud cover? I look at all that and that's a good way to have those cameras on there. Um, and I try to put them into spots, you know, in Michigan here anyway, I like to put cause it's high pressure. I like to put them in spots where I can get to them and not really booger a lot because I, I just feel like you have to be on your game, no matter what, no matter where you're at. But especially in high-pressured areas, you have to be 100% of your game. So I like to check my cameras a little bit more in the late season. I tend to do that. And so I like to put them in areas where I'm still getting good intel, but also where I can get in and get out not being heard or smelled and uh, not affecting anything. And I I, I don't put a lot of merit on my cameras this year. They do tell me quite a bit, but I also like to drive around. And I like to get those uh, sightings, or even be in an observation stand still from afar. Maybe you got a bad wind, and you're trying to hunt a food source at night. Um, you know, maybe taking a step back one night and just kind of looking with the sightings, with the binos, and everything. I really like to do that as well. But trail cams can be effective for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I know some, maybe maybe more so on on private tracks of land. Uh, you may see some of those bucks that have disappeared. You know, fall back mm-hmm. into their their winter range which may happen to be your property and you know if, if you're not running those cameras you're gonna miss it. You may not have a reason yep. to go out.
0: Definitely and good a good uh, a good scenario I had was uh, so Jim Abbott, everybody knows about the story of Jim Abbott um, he tends to start getting a lot more daylight on camera um, the last three years so when he was a two year old, he was showing up a lot in December when he was a three year old. He left during the fall. Didn't get to, I didn't see him once during the fall. Had a couple pictures of him, but as it came to December, he was showing up a lot in daylight. This year, he's starting to show up again, and uh, so historic data. I don't know if anybody's got historic data or even believes in that. I'm starting to believe a little more into that. Um, he's starting to get up on his feet, and he's still around. So uh, that's something to look into as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's, I know a couple of guys that killed really big deer this year. One, one buddy of mine in uh, Wisconsin killed a, a 206 this year back in October. And it was a deer that he knew was only coming in. Well, I want to say was only, uh, the last two years he had this deer on camera only in the month of October, like between the 21st and 25th. And he killed them on the 24th this year. So like that deer had an annual, oh, wow. an annual pattern that he was able to apply that historical data to and finally caught up to him and killed him, killed him early.
0: Yep. Yeah. You know, and another thing I wanted to hit on too, and Casey and I like to do this. So, um, the areas that you don't usually typically go, not, I shouldn't say go in, but I'm, I guess I'd be talking about field edges for this. So we like to, as the first snow comes in, And then, you know, you give it a night or a day and then we like to drive with the electric ranger, the, the borders of the property and really like to see where the deer moving in and out, like not two sets of tracks. We're talking about trails. I mean, trails where there's multiple deer, six, seven, eight deer, you know, or more. Yeah. And then we'll flag them. And that's a good key to you know, possibly next year, or, you know, where these deer are moving that time of year, or it could even be like, Hey, I've been overlooking this area and there's a hell of a runway right here. And they might even use it in the, uh, in the, in the fall months, you know, like October, November as well. So that's something to key on as well. Just like a, a little hack, maybe get in there and things that you might've overlooked, but you see a lot of deer movement coming in and out of food source and bedding, throw a little, uh, tape in the, in the tree right next to it, or something, and uh, then you get yourself a little marker to, you know, for upcoming years and everything to see where the deer are
1: moving. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that's something that if you if you own you own the land you're hunting on, if it's a home farm or whatever, um, that's something that you can actually create um, going into the spring. If you if you yeah. if you frost seed like native grasses or like a CRP grass, you know, some kind of mix with like uh you know um man i can't even pick one out of my head uh just one of those grass blends and you put that as close to a food source as you can that will pay pay off huge in late season because you're yeah like you just said in the beginning of this like you give those deer a place to hunker down that's real close to a food source that's great thermal cover They get to conserve those calories and not expend the energy it takes to travel a half a mile to the cornfield and then have to go back to bedding. You know, you keep them close to it. And then as much as it sucks, like when you're in there hoping for a Hail Mary and you want to pull an all-dayer, you may see that buck get out of that bedding area at 11 in the morning or 1 in the afternoon and just come out, feed for 15, 20 minutes, go back in. You know, he's going to go back in there, chew his cud for a few hours, come back out, get a few more bites, You know, there's nothing real consistent this time of the year or, you know, in a late season time of the year. And anything you can do to influence that. um, I mean, personally, that's been something that I've seen pay off huge is when you can can create bedding that's that close to a food source.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you have a concentrated bedding area and this can apply anywhere, state or, you know, public land, state land, Or private land, which, you know, I'm thinking of a scenario I have right now on the one acre. Um, I like to hunt the one acre right now with a gun because I can sit off. I I like to hunt it with a southwest wind because the bucks will bed in the one acre and the food source is to the west of the one acre. So they like to get up out of their bed and they'll walk into the standing beans with the wind to their, you know, to their cutting their nose because... They before they even walk out into the field, they can check that for any actually for any possible does that could come into late heat, you know, um, and for predators. So that's another good way to think about it too. Um the wind direction as well. If you have a concentrated bedding area where you know it's bedding with any thermal cover, you know, that might give you a little upper hand. And trying to figure out where to hunt, maybe it's a ground and pound. You got a fence row, and you just want to sit, um, or on a tree stand or anything. It might be able to, you know, you might be able to pinpoint an area where you like to sit, just on the wind direction where you think these
1: deer would be coming from as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I think you kind of touched on it a minute ago, but um, you know, your layering system, your clothes, um, that staying power. You know, the, the the more time you can put in right now in the field obviously the better chances you're going to have see seeing that buck that you have been after all season. But, yep. uh, you know, uh, we had a guy, Brad Walsh, ask about, uh, you know, what layering system we like to use, you know, specifically uh, base layers and just, you know, how we dress, especially when we're filming just because, you know, it's not up to us how long we're out there. It's it's our hunter, but – yep. Um, my my answer to that is uh you get what you pay for <laughs> just like most exactly. things but uh don't yep. be a, don't be afraid to invest in a really good base layer you know it's it's, it's a one time investment that you have to make in order to to give yourself that staying power like i mean under armour makes a really good one i know it's more expensive the cabelas ecwcs stuff is really good that polar weight yep um i mean that there's all kinds of arguments against synthetics versus fleece or cotton i mean wool all that stuff but just a matter of how you hunt you know and which one is right for you
0: for sure that's the 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 ability to stay in the tree or the blind longer is key this time of year so definitely invest in in better layering systems and and we'll get into that more in in another coffee call because i really like that question and heck that might be next week's but uh right now we're up on time i think we want to keep these a little shorter just uh, little little bits of information for you, and hopefully hopefully everybody um, can take a little bit out of this. And, uh, Justin, do you have any final thoughts on anything?
1: Um, no. I know we covered it kind of fast, and there was kind of a lot of stuff there, but hunt, hunt bedding, bedding areas that are close as close to a food source as you can get. Don't be afraid to hunt mornings. I mean, and if you can, stay all day. Um, if you have to run a heater, I don't know about you, but um, I've never seen any any negative effects of having a heater in the blind with you. I mean,
0: that's you, that's actually a good call. We should talk about that real quick. I, you know, I agree with you. I haven't had any negative effects with a heater. Um, I'll let you kind of take it from there because I kind of interrupted you. So, oh, no, that's all right. I'm, you take it from there.
1: Yeah, it's just I, I've never had a situation where you know the deer has busted us or a, a field has been blown because we had a heater going. I mean, short of starting it virtually silent and i mean it's just if you're not layered up or if you, if you have the ability to hunt in a ground blind don't be afraid to use a heater
0: <laughs> yeah and because you should already be playing the wind anyway yeah. and you know the smell of the propane it is one thing but i agree i've never had an issue with you know a, a heater blowing a hunt and i actually highly recommend it because <laughs> The longer you can be out there, the betters your odds, and um, that's a great point. You know, I love blind life with a heater.
1: (laughs) Yeah, same here. I love it.
0: (laughs) Yep, and actually, Mr. Buddy makes a heater that it, uh, you know, when you do the pilot and it kind of makes that clicking noise? Well, they make a heater now, and I don't know how long it's been out. I just saw this this year. Um, It's actually, you put a AA battery in the button, and it kind of doesn't even make a noise anymore for the pilot, and it lights it instantly.
1: Oh, nice. So, I haven't seen
0: that. Yeah. Yep. So check out Mr. Buddy. And that is not a plug for a sponsor because they are not a sponsor. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> There you go.
0: Well, cool. Um, like I said, everybody, hopefully you took a little, you know, some good bits of information out of this. I know it was quick, but uh, we want to keep these a little shorter and just kind of get right to the point. Um if you guys have any suggestions or if you have any questions, like I said, reach out, DM us, or even throw it on any Facebook or Instagram post, and and uh, we'd be happy to get to the questions. And who knows? I mean, we might we've got a pretty good flow of questions right now, but it might get to the point where we even do multiple of these, you know, during a week if we have the time to get to them. But right now, we're gonna stick to one coffee call and then the main show. So yeah, with that, um, I think I'm good. You good? Yeah, I'm set. <laughs> cool man. Well, thanks everybody for listening and please go to uh, iTunes and and leave a rating and uh leave some feedback because that really helps this podcast go and uh we're looking into some Patreon accounts right now um because that really helps the podcast run. Uh all the money right now is coming out of out of pocket and anything would help so we're looking into that we'll let you know longer we'll let you know when that gets set up and how to do it all and and uh again thanks again for the support and uh we'll see you next time
1: Game in Wild Places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8 30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think with
0: four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a white tail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, white
1: tails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places.